finances. That's what we've been talking about the last couple of lessons here in Foundations. And it would be appropriate and actually very beneficial to be, uh, to be reminded of what we've covered so far because it's going to provide the correct biblical framework for what we're going to discuss tonight. So let's do a little bit of review before we dive into tonight's topic. So first time we talked about really that what is God's role in our finances? And we talked about the fact that God is the owner of all, God is the provider of all, and God is in control of all. And our responsibility in finances is to make sure that we are good stewards of the finances that he has entrusted us. And then we also looked at some warnings and the fact that we don't want to serve money rather than God or love money rather than God or trust money rather than God. And we have to be careful about incurring unwise debt. Now, after looking at God's role in finances, last time we talked about was how to be good stewards of it. And one of the tools that we can use to be a good steward is a what? A budget. So we really spent some time talking about the budget last time. We talked about it, that we need to have a commitment to a budget. That we, but the components of a budget are very simple. You've got your income and you've got your expenses, right? Okay. Now, in that creation of a budget, we talked about how to spend wisely. And we looked at God's priorities and how we should spend the money that he has entrusted to us. We talked about four of God's priorities and how we spend our money. The very first one is we should be spending in ways that provide for our family's needs. Secondly, is we should be paying back debt. And then thirdly, we talked about giving to others. And then fourthly, we talked about saving for the future. So when we look at those four things that we talked about last time and about God's parties and how we should spend our money, it is often that third one, the giving to others, that we really don't think about to budget. Yeah, we think about, hey, yeah, we've got to pay our bills, we've got to pay debt, and we're going to save for the future. But we really don't think about the category of giving to others. And so that's where we're going to spend our time tonight is giving to others. Now, next time we meet, Jonathan, Lord willing, is going to be talking to us about saving. But tonight, we're going to talk about giving to others. And again, that's not a budget category that we often really talk about when we're creating a budget. So tonight's lesson is entitled, Giving Generously. I think it would be appropriate for us to start out looking at 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. And it says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. See, generosity is something I know that you would quickly agree with of something that we ought to be doing. But how are you doing in that area? How are you doing in the area of generosity? Maybe you are doing well, but you'd like to do more. Or maybe this is an area of your, of the, of your finances that really you've never even considered. Or maybe you are just trying to make sure the bills get paid and then whatever's left over, you go spend on the things that you want to go spend it on. Now, that should be a goal that we should have, is that we are generous with our money and giving to others. And then like most endeavors or goals that we have, it helps us to have the right mindset and the right heart motivation to accomplish them. 
So as we look at giving generously, we must first consider how to cultivate a heart of generosity. Cultivating a heart of generosity. Now to do that, it starts with thinking rightly about money. Now, we have spent the last couple of lessons going over this about thinking rightly about money, so we're not going to spend a lot of time here. But again, just as a reminder, it's God's money. It's not ours. And we are to be faithful stewards of it. When money is an idol, generosity is going to be an issue. Let me say that again. When money is an idol, generosity is going to be an issue. So we need to be thinking rightly about money. Secondly, I think we need to be reflecting on God's character and the gospel. Reflecting on God's character and the gospel. When we go to the word and we reflect on God's character, that he is a holy God, a loving God, a generous God, and we've offended that holy God, but in his kindness and his mercy and his generosity, he sought to reconcile us to him through the work of his son by living the life that we should have lived and dying the death that we deserved. When we reflect on that, we ought to be humbled. It should cause us to worship, and it should give us a heart of generosity, of thankfulness to God, and we would want to be obedient and be generous to others. So reflecting on God's character and the gospel. Thirdly, I think it's important that we are living with an eternal perspective. See, I think it's so easy, and I think we're more interested in being happy right in the here and now. And we don't really think about eternal things. So let, let us consider some of the some thoughts from Scripture. In fact, let's, let's look at what Solomon had to say towards the end of his life. There in Ecclesiastes 5.13. Again, Solomon, a very wise man, looking back on his life, goes, there is a grievous evil which I have seen under the sun, riches being hoarded by their owner to his hurt. You see, Solomon's looking back going, there's no value in that. It's a grievous evil to see men hoarding their finances. So let's consider how about something from Paul. We're going to go back to 1 Timothy 6, but we're going to look at 19 again. In verse 19, it says, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. Paul was excited to see people being generous because he realized they were storing up treasures where? Not here on earth, but in heaven. And he was commending them for that. So, as we spend time in God's word and allow the truth of scripture to shape our hearts and minds so that we can think rightly about money and we also reflect on God's character and the amazing reality of the gospel and that we are living with an eternal perspective, we need to be considering ways to give generously. So we're going to be considering ways to give generously. Now, we're going to spend some time here in this section. And before I do, I need to make several caveats, okay? So just indulge me, because I don't want to be misunderstood as we go through this. So, first of all, I understand in a room like this, there are a lot of different financial situations. From doing really well financially, to some of you not being able to pay your bills, and I understand that. This lesson is not intended to overwhelm you or make you feel defeated. But we want to look at biblical principles of how we should be living. For some of you, you may already be doing these things or that you could be doing them now just by changing things in your budget. However, for some of you, it may be hard to implement. 
but it ought to serve as a roadmap as to where you want to go. Overall, this lesson is meant to encourage you about the finances he has entrusted you. All right, second caveat. Now, when I'm talking about giving, I'm not suggesting what the prosperity gospel preachers teach, and that is when we give, that we should expect God to give back more. That's not what's being taught here tonight, okay? And then the third caveat. Well, I know most of you in this room, and a lot of you know my background. Some of you don't, and I would not want this to occur. And that is, I do not want you thinking that the person standing up here is a staff person, because I am not. So this is not a staff person saying, hey, you need to be giving more money to church. Okay? That's not what's taking place. There are many heavy-handed so-called preachers out there telling people to give money, and that's not what's taking place tonight. I find that very uncomfortable personally. In fact, I am very thankful to say in my 20 years of being here at Countryside, I can only think of two times that I've heard Tom preach on giving. And it was only because he was preaching chronologically through Matthew 6 and Philippians 4. Okay? So, with those three caveats, let's dive in. So, considering ways to give generously. Well, the first thing that we should consider is giving through the church. You see, this is the primary way that the New Testament instructs us how to give is through the church. And the first thing is offering. We see that quite a bit in the New Testament, is an offering. So there, number one is offering. That is one of the main ways that we give through the church is through our offerings. Because we are commanded to give. But I do need to stop and explain something here. We're not commanded to tithe. Okay, there is no New Testament command to tithe. So I, I want to just talk about that briefly. We don't have the time to really go into this, but at least just want to mention it because if you're like me, you grew up being taught that you were to give 10% of your income to the church. You're not going to find that in the New Testament. Now, you'll find a verse in the Old Testament, but unfortunately it's pulled out and isolated because if we really look at all the Old Testament, what was being told to the Israelite people, it wasn't just a 10% tithe. There were actually three tithes required of the Israelite people. In Numbers 18, which is also duplicated in the Leviticus 27. The second one's in Deuteronomy 12. The third one is in Deuteronomy 14. You see, the typical Israelite person, their annual tithe actually came up to be about 23%. What was this for? It was to support the government. Do we have something like that today where we pay money to support the government? Yeah, it's called taxes, okay? So when you think tithes, it's, oh, okay, that's taxes to support the government. I already pay tithes. It's to Uncle Sam, okay? So, um, again, if you have any questions on that, I would encourage you to go back and listen to a, a lesson that Tom did uh, on Matthew 6, 2 through 4, and it's entitled, For His Eyes Only, giving to the glory of God. So just go to the church website, go to media and search on giving to the glory of God. And he breaks that down a whole lot more to explain the Old Testament um, tithing there. But we are commanded to give. We are commanded to give an offering. And let's look at Jesus's words right there in Matthew 6. So Matthew 6, 2 through 3, Jesus says the following. So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues, and in the streets, so that you may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, 
they have their reward in full. But when you give to the poor, do not left, let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You see, he said, when you give twice. That's not a suggestion. Jesus is not saying, hey, I think you should give. See, Jesus is assuming and expecting that giving will be a regular spiritual activity. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 2. It says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper, so that no collections be made when I come. I love that there in the middle of verse 2, as he may prosper. Now, let's remember that, but also let's look at 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now, there's a lot of other verses we can look at, but just briefly, when we look at these two, we can see that we are commanded to give systematically, yes, but no specific amount is required, but it should reflect our financial ability, which is all very different in here. And it should be a free decision. It should be an offering. So giving through the church, we give an offering. But also through the church, there's benevolence. Okay? Um, so back to 1 Corinthians 16. If you look at 1 Corinthians 16, what Paul was collecting money for was because there was a famine. We need to be meeting the needs of others because really the offering, the main point of offering is to support the ministry within the church. But benevolence is there to help specific needs of people that are hurting. And one of the ways we actually do that here at Countryside, we follow church history, and that is that when we do communion Sundays, we do say, hey, look, you know, we'd love for you to give to the benevolence fund. And so on communion Sundays, if you feel compelled to give above your offering and, and give more, then great. And your check or however you pay online, just write benevolence, and it goes to the benevolence fund. And that money specifically goes towards helping people and their, their financial needs. <clears throat> now, there's other benevolence areas that we, we actually carry out here in the church, and that is like a catastrophic, event, catastrophic events. We saw that in Ukraine. We've sent money over there to help Christians there in Ukraine. We've helped people uh, throughout the U.S. when there's been tornadoes that hit a region very hard. We hit the same thing with hurricanes. We do it with Hope House. We even do it in ways of helping people that can't afford to get necessary books so they can be trained well. We uh, have had campaigns to raise money to be able to translate theological books into a language so that they have those resources. So this is a way that we're giving money through the church in a benevolence fashion. But also through the church, we see that we support missions as well. So we've got offerings, benevolence, and specifically for missions. Because if you look at Philippians 4, 14 through 17, it says, Nonetheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves also know, Philippians, that the first preaching the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. So we see a couple of things there. One, 
the church was actually supporting Paul on his missionary journey. We ought to be supporting missionaries. But Paul was actually excited about something else as well, and that they were going to be blessed because that was a treasure for them in heaven. And when he's encouraging him in that way. So now that we've looked at ways to give through the church, let's look at ways about giving outside the church. So giving outside the church. All right, so the first thing is directly to missionaries. Okay, we don't have to give through countryside to support the missionaries. I would highly encourage you if you haven't done this before. I know we've talked about this before here in Foundations. Is going up to the foyer on the right-hand side, we actually have a missionary board of missionaries that we do support. Maybe as a family, you, you know, commit to one missionary. You grab their, their card. You sign up for the newsletter. You pray for them. And where you're able to, if you want to send them money directly, I highly encourage you to send money to the missionaries directly. So that's one of the ways that we can really give outside the church is go ahead and send it directly to the missionaries. Secondly is reputable ministries. Maybe there's, you have a heart and a passion for a particular ministry. I'm very fond of what Rocky White is doing at Excel Ministries, and that's a ministry that we love giving to. Thirdly is to the needs of others. So as we're living life, as we're interacting at the church, interacting in our neighborhood, we see people that are hurting. We can give directly to those needs. We don't have to go through the church. We can just give it ourselves. And I am humbled at all the generosity that I see at a distance here on campus of people providing financial needs to others. So we've discussed giving through the church and giving outside the church. But what about... If you're in that situation where you really are not in the position that you have no money to give. So, lastly there on your outline is giving without money. See, when there is no money, we can still be generous. So regardless of where you're at, how can we care for others? So we can be generous with our time, with our service. It might be something as simple as baking cookies for somebody or sitting with someone who needs encouragement? Or how about helping somebody move? How about praying with them? Not just saying you're gonna do it, but hey, let's sit down right now. Let's meet for coffee and let's pray through that issue. So we can be generous with our time and service of others. So we have talked about how to cultivate a heart of generosity and also considering ways to give generously. We can have the heart to be generous and know of ways to give, like we just discussed, but we don't really, um, but don't really have the money that we've just discussed. So if you don't really have the money, how do we get to the point of having the finances to be generous with? How do we get to that point? So let's look at crafting a budget with generosity. Crafting a budget with generosity. It must begin with the things that we've already discussed in our last lesson. Evaluating income versus expenses. How much is being made versus how much is being spent. You see, there are many different scenarios in this room, and I know that, and I've already said that. For some of you, it may be creating a budget for the first time, or for some of you, it may be reworking your existing budget. There may be some real hard situations to deal with, like praying if you need to look for a different job after seeing income is not meeting uh, or covering your expenses. Ultimately, the big picture goal here is that if we are going to be crafting a budget with generosity, we have to be living below our means. So we have to be living below our means. We have to have that gap there to even be generous with. 
Now, I recognize that sentence may be simple, but the reality of it can be really hard for us to do. And so how do we live below our means? I think first thing you have to do is really start evaluating the needs versus the wants. Because there's a lot of wants we put in the need category that don't belong there. So really honestly evaluating needs versus wants. And honestly, that's going to require a lot of patience and communication and humility with your spouse as you talk through the budget and being very honest. It's going to require to get rid of some selfishness. Okay? Like for me, I don't need to look at a Cabela's catalog. I look at Cabela's catalog and I see all kinds of things that I need. I don't need it. I want it, okay? So, really evaluating those things. But secondly, is making hard choices. They're not fun. They're not easy. It's going to take a lot of discipline, so making some hard choices. If you will indulge me, I have a silly little story that I like to tell you from our own life, and I hope it makes sense and I hope it encourages you. Now, we call this our toothpick story, okay? So a number of years ago, Billy Ruth and I were desiring to even live more below our means. We're like, how can we actually spend less? And so we were in that mode. We're going along, going along, and mm, the toaster oven broke, okay? Now, the toaster oven didn't completely break. It's just that the door wouldn't stay closed, so it wouldn't toast the bread. And we had the money in the bank to go buy a new toaster, That wasn't the problem, okay? But we didn't want to spend money. Well, I went and grabbed a toothpick, pushed the door closed, wedge it between the door and the frame. Guess what? The door stayed closed, and guess what? I got toast. (laughs) So we had a toaster. That would work if you used a toothpick. Okay, we didn't have to do that. We could have ran down to the store and bought a new one. But we were so like, hey, kind of puffed up a little bit like hey we chose to not get one and it encouraged us and so the next week we had to make other decisions like oh you know what that thing that we thought was a need really wasn't a need it was just a want and again we were trying to live below our means we were trying to separate that what is a need and what is a want we were trying to make the hard choices and it encouraged us to continue to make those hard choices someone invites you to lunch on a Sunday afternoon Maybe you need to say, hmm, can we, let's just come to our house and make sandwiches. You know, again, trying to spend less to make sure you're living within your means. And again, there are going to be some hard choices to make. Now, being an East Texas boy and having an engineering background, I've always appreciated the story of R.G. Letourneau. So if you'll indulge me, I want to read a little short biography of R.G. Letourneau. Now, Letourneau was the founder of Laterno University, which you're probably familiar with out in East Texas. And he was one of the more unlikely leaders of the 20th century industry. See, from humble beginnings, he only had a seventh grade education, but he taught himself engineering. And even in the early days of his life, when he had very little money, he and his wife were very committed to giving to the church and to missionaries. Now, when he was 30 and deeply in debt, he was chastised by his missionary sister to get serious about serving God. Now, Laterno was confused. You see, like most people, he believed that sincere dedication to God required that he become a preacher, an evangelist, or a missionary. So he attended a revival meeting and at church, and 
he gave in. Thinking he was headed to the mission field, he sought guidance from his pastor. And after praying together, his pastor said, hey, you know, Brother Letourneau, God needs businessmen as well as preachers and evangelists and missionaries. So Letourneau responded, all right, if that's what God wants, I'll be God's businessman. Now, R.G. eventually built a manufacturing empire. His earth-moving machines helped win win World War II with over 70% of the earth-moving equipment for the Allied forces. And later, his company supplied much of the equipment to construct the highway highway infrastructure that we enjoy today in modern America. You see, by the end of his life, he held more than 300 patents. After Letourneau turned his attention to manufacturing earth-moving equipment, and was becoming financially successful, he and his wife Evelyn determined to give a large portion of their income to the Lord. Laterna was fond of remarking, quote, It's not how much of my money I give to God, but how much of God's money I keep for myself. You see, through the years and many conversations with his wife Evelyn, they continued to give more and more of a percentage of their income back to God. And at the end of their life, they eventually only lived on 10% of the income with 90% going back to God. Now, that's a couple living below their means. And while most of us in this room will probably not be as financially successful as Mr. Letourneau, our heart and our goal should be that of the saying by him, it's not how much of my money I give to God but how much of God's money I keep for myself. Giving generously. You see, God has chosen us to provide for others. You see, God doesn't need us to do that, but he has chosen us to do that. And what an amazing privilege. My hope is that you will spend time praying through how you can grow in having a heart of generosity and praying through the different ways to give generously and also praying on how you can craft a budget that honors God and reflects generosity. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are a good and generous God. I pray that you will just allow these verses that you have communicated to us through Scripture about how we need to have generous hearts. And I pray that you just help us to craft budgets that allow us to use your the money that you've entrusted to us well, and that it honors you. I pray to help us to have communication, good communication with our spouses as we do that. And uh, may we live a life that's honoring to you. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen.